Blessings, 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 warrior. Welcome to Warriors of Light Show, our living library of consciousness. I am your host, Joy Mohemi, an oracle and ascension guide for genetic path patterns. This masterclass show is created as a portal of accessing and archiving spiritual wisdom, philosophies, and technologies for spiritually awakening, inspired, and practicing individuals who seek to expand their spiritual path, heal their genetic miasmas, and elevate their consciousness within indigenous medicine and cosmic wisdom. So take a seat, beloved warrior, and join me as I curate solo transmissions and conversations with fellow irregular, shamanic, medicine, and healing. All right. Welcome, welcome, sovereign warriors. Welcome to Warriors of Light, our weekly transmission, Thursday transmission. I'm excited to be back here with you all uh, as we are coming towards the end of February. It's interesting because this has been, it's the shortest month, but it feels like it has been the longest month so far for me because there's been so much that has happened uh, this February. And I think it's kind of catching up with me. I'm starting to feel my body exhausted because there has been so many activities. Uh, I moved into a new house this month. I um, opened my new practitioner mastermind, Holy Guardians. It's open for enrollment. And I've been sharing that as part of preparing for that. I uh, had a photo shoot, which was very nice, very uh, exciting for me because I'm currently activating my beauty codes, you know. Um, so I had a photo shoot. I, I launched Holy Guardians. And um, I have outside of my spiritual work that I do, I have Africa in Dialogue, which is this amazing epic baby of mine. It's a literary interview magazine it's actually the only interview magazine in africa so which is pretty cool we do amazing epic things there and just now we were screening uh, those who are joining us for our internship program so i've been this whole week i've been doing interviews with these amazing epic literary fiction poetry, creative nonfiction interviewers, as well as editors and social media managers. So yeah, it's all catching up with me. <laughs> and then outside that, I've been doing my normal job of uh, being an oracle and holding space for amazing epic warriors. And as if that's not enough, I, I mean, I don't know why I, I scheduled my, my, my time like this. I <laughs> also shared this Tuesday about my new free program that's coming, that's happening this March, which is next week, Tuesday, March 1st until March 3rd, we're going to be having a free program. For those of you who have ever experienced my free programs, you know how amazing and epic those programs are. And this one is also obviously going to be the same. We are doing a masterclass series titled Ancient Future. Yes, 
Asian future, um, that theme has been oscillating in my field for months, like maybe eight months or so. I've been wanting to do some work around this, this times that we are in where it feels like the ancient worlds are merging in this now moment with the future world. And we are here as the bridge, we're bridging the past and the future. And it's, it is um, an honor and also really truly a challenging thing to be, to be the one who's bridging the ancient and the future. So I want us to come into community, into communion, into our roundtable to come and contemplate about what it's like to be awakening as Asian beings that we are, what it's like to awaken to the ancient earth codes that are alive in our blood, in our DNA, and stepping into the leadership that is required right now with everything that is ongoing. Um, while every day is a good day about grind, that's Miles Hodges who says that, Back when I was in university, that used to be my mantra every day, which is every day is a good day above ground. While that's the truth, it's been also quite difficult to feel that way, especially in the last two years with all the great changes that are happening in our world. Um, and yeah, we are called more and more and more to, to do things that you know, we are probably the first people to do them in our bloodlines, to do things that, you know, are new, to bring deep understanding to certain things. They are new to us, but they're actually ancient, and they're also future, that these are things we need for our future, you know. So Asian future is going to be a three-day uh, masterclass. We are going to contemplate on awakening Asians, right, this awakening process and there's just so much that's going to come on that day. Um, what, what most of you don't know, maybe I haven't shared this, is most of the time these, all of my transmissions are channeled material in that I never really actually know what's going to happen. Even in the writing of the masterclass series, I, I just knew the theme was Asian future. I did not know what the three days will be until I had to sit down and write. <laughs> And then even now, I really actually don't know what we're going to learn, but spirit is going to guide me. And these are often quite powerful, even for me. You know, even today, this transmission, I, I, I received the title <laughs> in the morning. Oh my God. Um, so if you are like, if you're like the kind of person who likes to prepare, you you will freak out living my life because there's there's just like my spirit team they're just like just chill we'll, we'll, we'll show up you know yeah so yeah awakening asians then we're gonna talk about ancient f codes i'm excited about this exciting activations as well coming through and um asian future leadership this one i particularly want to hold it with you the leader being a leader is not just about political leadership. We're talking about leadership in all the different facets of our lives. And some of you, most of you probably, you are already always the leader in your family as the genetic path cutter. You are the one who's going 
first. So because of that, you are naturally a leader. So we're going to have some conversations about that. And um, I'm excited. This is 6 p.m. And this is, I'm really, really going to try to make it a three-hour masterclass series, right? So, but just minimum, it will be three hours because I've tried to make it two hours before it never works. So three-hour session, come and join. You need to register for this. You can go check my website under free program. You should be able to see it and fill your details to get the Zoom link. We're going to be together in on Zoom. You have an opportunity to call in, have a conversation, and um, yeah, it's going to be great. Okay. So are you coming? Did you register? Let me know in the chat. Hmm. So how have I been? I have been exhausted. Like today I slept until, I mean, I woke up in the morning because I had to do, uh, my physical trainer was here doing some exercise and then I went back to sleep until half 12 because I had work, I've kind of work. And now I'm here. Okay, so are you excited? Are you excited? Let me know. If we're not excited, I don't know what we're doing with our lives about Asian future. So I'm just gonna check Facebook. Yes, Tato is coming through. Yes, Tato, thank you. Okay. So today, Today we're talking the transmutation of ancestral patterns. I, I am excited about this. Uh, as you know, I am a genetic alchemist. It's a fancy title I've given myself because you can do that. Can you imagine? You can give yourself a title. How shocking. <laughs> no one ever told us this. Okay. The transmutation of ancestral patterns. Okay, so prepare your questions for this. Okay, great. <sighs> yes, Palisa, thank you. Okay. The transmutation of ancestral patterns. Okay, so let's talk. Let's begin on on how patterns are created, just generally, right? Or let's just pull back a little bit on the process of incarnation, right? So the process of incarnation is that before you enter our planet and right now our planet it is at a point where it is currently at the most dense aspect of itself it could ever be along its evolutionary cycle so what that means is that this is the most difficult darkest time to incarnate on our earth and this is just the cycle as well it's important to understand that 
what we may call this dark age or dark period is the cycle that the earth or any planet moves through right we went through a, a cycle of devolve moving from higher worlds and moving down to the third dimension and now we are beginning to rise up but we were here at the the pivotal point where we were at the most extreme um dissension or the most ex extreme separation from source from the higher worlds and now we are beginning to make our move back to the higher worlds and so because of that all of us who are here having been incarnated at the time in which there's been a lot of density a lot of difficult or dark frequencies in the earth our incarnation itself or automatically means that we came into this earth carrying those energies that are surrounding our planet that are being emitted by the humans who are alive or who've been alive in the past and we are here to come and cleanse and transmute those patterns this is everyone on planet earth no one is exempt from this right so think of it this way i think i've spoken a little bit about this when when uh, we go through pain um who i am actually getting a little emotional because of yeah this last couple of days of what has been happening but what was coming up is it's currently what's happening in ukraine between ukraine and russia and i have a couple of friends who are ukrainian and i have actually experienced being a team leader between someone who was Russian and Ukrainian, and they used to fight quite a lot about the dynamic of their countries. But um, the reason why I'm thinking about that is because of war, war as an energy. When we fight each other, whichever in whichever way we do that, the pain that is created by that is so, so huge that the energy of it moves from our physical bodies and it begins to hover and affect our other bodies which i call the subtle bodies our subtle bodies and then this also extends to our homes this extends to the entire lens this extends to the entire planet right so when you think about the last hundred years just hundred years we're not even going further than that we've heard we've had two physical world wars, right? We are currently in another different form of a war, but it's a psychological one. Um, we've had different diseases. We've had many, many different things that have happened just in the last hundred years that are quite difficult, right? And the ancestors who have lived in this last hundred years themselves have had to move through so much, right? So I don't know, um, the the range of ages of people who watch me but i'm assuming we've all been born in the last 50 60 maybe 70 years i don't think there's an 80 year old who's watching me <laughs> that would be interesting 70 years maybe even 70 years is probably pushing it um in those in this last 60 years when we're all coming into our planet the energies of the previous wars previous difficulties 
with struggles, the sufferings of our countries that we incarnated with, those energies surrounded these countries we were born into. And when you enter into the earth as a consciousness, you pass through what is called a field, right? And that field, or it's the morphogenetic field. Morphogenetic field is like a field that has information about whatever that land is or whatever um, that bloodline is, right? It's, it's about holding the genetics. And if you watch my genetics DNA, genetics is what is the code of life, right? So we receive the code of life from these fields when we are entering through our mother's bodies. When you're in your mother's womb in those nine months, you are in that field, you are connected to that field, to the quantum field, receiving information about the psychic energies that are collectively happening, right? So for example, children who were born in the 90s, I am one of those people. During those times, one of the energies that was happening in the late 80s and 90s, this was the, the surges of HIV and AIDS as a disease. And it was rapidly moving across the world and many people were transitioning. There was a lot of great pain connected to our sexuality. So it's not shocking that the children born in the 90s are here to come and expand on our ideas of sexuality. It is what we call the incarnational cross, is the cross we bear as those who were born during that era. And we will continue to bear those crosses and the cross of that energy will become the patterns that we will have to move through, we will have to transmute. Are you with me? Right? So during this generation, in the last 30 years, since the 90s, conversations on sexuality, the battles of the sexes, you know, has been a big, big conversation, right? Because that's the incarnational cause. There was a point where those who were born in the 1920s, who were born during like World War One, they moved and the incarnational cross was around ideas of inferiorities and nationalities and identities because the wars was about that, right? So whichever energy pain is happening collectively as the collective source bond during a specific age, we will bear the, the, the the energy in our lives and that will become our pattern and generally that means that's the ancestral pattern because it's about the pain that those who came before us were going through is continued by the next generation we continue to keep cleaning up the pain right so this is not us even going to our individual ancestry it's understanding that um um just by being born in an age, being born in a land, right? So we, we look generally, if you want to understand the ancestral patterns you are holding, one, you look at what was happening in that decade when you were being born, right? Then you look at what was happening in that decade in the land you were born in as well, because you will also bear the incarnational cross of your land the events of that land will influence your psyche, who you are, 
it will become and create the patterns that make up part of your life. Right? Yes. Hello, Sibongile. It's been some time since I've seen you. Welcome. Yes. Are you with me? Are you following? Like I said, I never know where the guys are going. <laughs> I never know where my I am higher self is going. She just likes to pop like that. So, so everything in the planet is cyclical. There is a cycle. There is patterns, right? The, the signature of all of all things, or the signatures of everything. Right, it's the singularity, they call it also the Fibonacci sequence, which now we are realizing the Fibonacci sequence is actually the sequence of the matrix. It doesn't mean that's actually the sequence of the true living God. But in any way, everything has a sequence, mathematical sequences, including you. So everything that has happened in your life, it's a pattern. Everything can be traced to specific things that are surrounding and influencing you, right? So the time, the era, the land in which you are born influences you. It makes the collective ancestral patterns that you will have to bear in this lifetime, right? And then now let's go to our bloodlines or the genetics lines we are born in. Right, I want you to contemplate with me. So certain things you can contemplate in is you start with your parents because they are your living ancestor, right? So the relationship or the dynamic between your parents in the moment of your conception, when you're conceptualized, will greatly influence your emotional body, physical body, spiritual body and mental body. The first 21 years of your life, you are developing specific things based on what is unfolding in the home, what is also unfolding between you, between your parents, whether they are together or not. You are currently receiving in training those patterns, whether you're conscious of it or not, right? Even when our parents have transitioned also, we are still influenced by the, that by them. Not being there, of course, right? Um, so the first, the first seven months, sorry, nine months when we we're in our mother's womb, this is when we are receiving the collective energy. The one I spoke about, about what was happening in the decade when you were born, the big thing you can remember. And how has that influenced you and could you see a pattern related to that or no pattern at all? Is, does what happened during that era influences the same exact thing in your life in any way or there is no relationship at all? Really, would you find that if there's no relationship, there's always a relationship. Um, then from zero to one, sorry, zero to seven years. This is when we are developing physically. So this is when we're starting to realize we're in the physical world and we're very attuned to both the spirit and the physical world. 
And during this time, the patterns we're picking up on are around physicality, right? And we become attuned and aware of certain things, right? This is for the first time when we maybe you will interact with whether your physical world is abundant or is lacking in resources, right? So meaning at home, do you, have you come to discover if there is enough for everyone in the home or there is not enough, right? So this is the beginning of our relationship with money during that physical time, resources. During this time, also, this is when we're building our relationship with the masculine and the feminine, right? Depending on how we're being raised, who is raising us during this time, right? Often the pattern that is happening there, often it's a repetition, a repetition, as in like your parents are going to parent you the way they were parented. So the pattern is moving from one generation to the other, right? Um, so you probably experience a similar pattern. It may be different for some people, but on most general is the same thing. And then um, you're also picking up on the emotional cues that are happening as well as the physical relationship between your parents, uh, whether it's existing or not existing. And this create an, creates a pattern for you, you pick it up at this point. Right? This is why the first seven years are so important. It's like the most basic thing that will later become important to us are, are imprinted here, which are, is what? Which is relationships, relationships with the other, um, the other sexes, the other genders, all of that, it's entrained here. Our relationship with money, which becomes a big part of our lives when we're adults, is also reflected here. Our relationship with the physical body, how we feel about the physical body, whether we move through having a weak body or a not weak body, it's also cultivated here. Were you a weak baby or not a weak baby? How has that influenced your relationship with the physical body? And um, your relationship with your parents, listen, We cannot transmute anything in this planet without ever touching the mother wound and the father wound. You can skip that. You can try, but you eventually be led back to that because this is the most fundamental relationship of your life. It will influence who you become in ways you will be shocked by until you start doing the healing and you're like, oh my God. I mean, I don't even eat, drink tea anymore because my mom did not like it. I didn't know that's how much I was influenced by her. <laughs> you know, is that serious? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, welcome back, Simone Gile. Really ha happy to have you back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so these, this, this is a fundamental relationship. Um, so we have to look at what is the patterns of our, our parents, their financial patterns, their relationship patterns here, we, we, we pick on them and they become the blueprint or the template 
we will believe in for most of our lives until we realize they are they are not the actual or the final template and we change these patterns but the beginning of all patterns are with within your relationship with your parents and then from 7 to 14 right this is now when we're developing the emotional body remember this is when you're like becoming a teenager and you are starting to become aware of the, the changes in your body and you are also starting to relate to other people other than your family so your emotions are quite heightened during this time right so this is when we develop our emotional bodies but also this is when we develop our emotional defense mechanisms the emotional defense mechanisms that we often all automatically choose are the same emotional defense mechanisms that our parents often use. So a defense mechanism may be, I know my emotional defense mechanism is, um, is control, wanting to control how things are, right? So, and where did I pick this? From my mother, you know, she wanted to control everything. So for me to defend myself from instability i want to control everything so i take care of everything so that i don't have to feel disappointment right so that's when it was cultivated so what you want to do is look at just the original living ancestors what was that defense mechanism do i use the same defense mechanism am i controlling am i passive because one of my parents was passive this is how they dealt with chaos what did i pick right because those are the patterns you are here to come and heal and transmit and change, right? Um, from 14 to 21, this is our mental development, right? This is about what belief system. The emotional development, it is the most fundamental, 7 to 14, it is the most powerful. It is where you're going to spend most of your healing journey in the beginning. That's what you are healing, the emotional body. And in fact, it is the emotional body that is often so ignored that we are often so shocked with certain things happening because we were not all taught, fully taught, that we are emotional beings and deeply influenced by our emotions and that our emotions are not necessarily connected to what's happening physically. If you feel anger, that anger can come and that's what you're feeling doesn't have to be triggered by anything. If you feel sadness, if you feel uh, depressed, if you feel anxiety, these are that these are contents of your emotional body that are not always directly connected to particular events. And this is where the mental health fails humanity. Our government fails us here because we have ignored this body, right? And so what I can tell you very difficult to come to most of us emotionally we are probably eight years old most of us are in relationship with other people who are actually eight years old in that emotional body so when you are having a conversation with them it has to think that you are actually conversing with an emotional body that is eight years old this is just on average before we do the transmutation work, before we begin to heal. So, and it's the emotional body that will control how we engage with other people. 
And this is why relationships, for example, are difficult for people because people haven't yet registered that, <laughs> that boyfriend. When he's upset at you, that's his eight-year-old conditioned self active or body active, right? So even with you, when you're upset about something, right? Often that's that body that is activated or triggered. The, the, that body is not, it's, it's between seven and 14, right? So if you really have a, a healed, it's probably a, like a 14-year-old, which is great, but we can go beyond that. And then the mental body, this is where our belief systems are. When we begin to develop ideas that like, oh, I'm not good enough. I am not worthy. This other person is better than me. This is age 14 to 21. Isn't it that age 14 to 21, this is when we're in high school and the beginning of university college. And this is when now we really start to externalize our identity and we begin to compare ourselves to other people. And this is when now emotion, no, thoughts and ideas that you aren't good enough are reflected to you, one, first of all, because the education system already just puts us on competition with each other. And then we already automatically know, oh, that person is better than me because they are number one in class, right? This is the beginning of the mental body and the beginning of your mental defense mechanism. When you are shouting at your partner, that's your mental body doing that, defending itself, right? So the patterns we will pick here are the same as well as the ones we saw at home, right? If when your parents are stressed, how do they react? Do they go into anger or do they shut down, right? So there are two ways we will react across all these ages. Across all patterns, there are two ways you probably react. There is a reacting with what we call the vow of loyalty. If your father was always angry and frustrated when things were not going his way, when you are in a vow of loyalty, when things don't go your way, you become angry and frustrated you continue the pattern of reaction similar to your bloodline. If that's how people at home respond, they shut down. When you're in a vow of loyalty, you have vowed to be loyal to the patterns of your people, you react the same way. When you are in another version of it, which is the vow of rebellion, if your father used to get angry and um, frustrated, you shut down, you close your, yourself in your bedroom and just cry by yourself and never talk about what is frustrating you. You go passive. You have made a vow somewhere between these ages that I will not respond like my father. I will go against this pattern. I refuse to be angry. So however, the problem is that with a vow rebellion sometimes, we are now fighting something that wants to come natural, which is expression, and then we shut down, which is not necessarily also healthy, right? So we are in two extremes. We are loyal to something that is not healthy for us, or we are in rebellion to something that is also not healthy for us. I can tell you 
about an ancestral pattern that I have that has been a little difficult to break because it's connected to this. So my people, particularly from my mother's side, they are not only them, but the tribe, the, the Bazopon tribe, they are this very calm people. When you go to the Zopon region, they're very ancestral. You often find when you're passing the homes, people under sitting under trees, just relaxing. And then when it's time to go cook, they go cook and come back and relax and chat with each other under the trees. That's the tribe. It's like one of the most relaxed, almost too relaxed people. They don't have a sense of agency, which is something I have. And I'm bringing this up because I have moved into my new place for more than 24 days and I still haven't connected the Wi-Fi. It's something I need, but I don't have that sense of agency to actually apply <laughs> the process. It's like the application form is so long that I just, as I, I can just use mobile data, right? I will apply when I have time. <laughs> it's that sense of agency. I've noticed it in myself. So that's what an ancestral pattern is. It's just a way in which you, um, you behave and the way in which you think is in, it's a continuity of how your people think and behave, right? And there are some ancestral patterns. I mean, because of this ancestral pattern that I just spoke about, about the Batopon tribe, my mother's lineage, I am also a very calm person. So during chaos, I am the best person to have around because I will be chilled and we will find a solution. I don't panic a lot. But, but sometimes I do need to panic. I think that's what some of my friends, because my friends are like, like always on the move, you know, and they always used to really tell me, Joy, you have no sense of agency. We need to hurry. And I'm like, okay, can I feed my dog at first? And they will get so frustrated. <laughs> anyway, back here. I don't remember really where we ended with part two but I believe it was about understanding how the first 21 years are the times of imprinting and how you are either in a vow of loyalty or a vow of rebellion and how the invitation truly for you as a genetic path cutter is actually to transcend your vows of loyalty and your vows of rebellion that don't serve you, that don't serve the evolution of your bloodline, the evolution of the living generation. There are some vows of loyalties that are good in the same way that there are vows of rebellions that are good. A vow of rebellion that is good, for example, is if you come from a family where there was luck, maybe that's financial luck, and you decide you will never ever not have money and you work hard to not have money that's that vow of rebellion is the one that is making you want to change that pattern right so in that regard that vow is good the vow of rebellion if, however so if, in the vow of loyalty if for your example your people uh marry you know, like that you are a family of marriage and you are in a vow of, of loyalty, you could actually marry and be in a union 
because that's what your people do and that's a vow of loyalty and if this marriage goes well that's good <laughs> the problem will be if you stay even though you are not it's, it's it's dangerous for you to be there there's no evolution there you are in a karmic trap then the vow of loyalty keeps you there then you are not actually in in the building of your ancestral legacy you are actually degenerating going backwards perpetuating a pattern that is not healthy because it's this is how we have actually stuck with things that don't serve not only us but our community it's where we perpetuate patterns for the sake of uh this is what we do here we, we don't divorce people don't go for therapy in our family when they're not well you know um and whatever ideas we believe in so as for example one really truly us black people we have so many vows that we make that our ancestors had to make these vows because sometimes these vows are what helps you survive but right now you as the genetic path cutter you are here to break some of these vows of, of loyalty and rebellion right and this is across the board across what you know to be one of the biggest problems for your bloodline if your bloodline and this is how you know what is the pattern that is your incarnational cross that you're here to bear what you do is you look at this generation your mother's generation your grandparents generation and your great great parents great grandparents generation the first three this is where you're going to see a lot of these patterns of course actually the incarnational cross that you bear it is what we call sacred code 777 which means we are greatly influenced by seven generations behind us right and we are influenced by and we will influence the seven generation before ahead of us after us right so that's that code is important to know so typically when we're doing ancestral healing a lot of the time in the beginning we're healing that first seven generation but we often see a lot of the most active patterns with mother grandmother and grand great grandmother or i shouldn't say mother as of the grandfathers don't actually influence you the grandfathers and they as well influence you your your father's bloodline their patterns also influence you they influence us differently in our incarnational cross we do tend to bear more of the ancestral patterns of our mothers compared to our fathers 60% our mothers and 40% our mother our fathers in our the ancestral patterns from our, our mothers that influences are matters of fertility sexual energy wounds if you're a woman a lot of that what you inherit the state of your womb will be the state of your mother your grandmother and your great grandmother the issue that they went through are likely to come through you from your mother's side 
your grandmother from your father's side does influence you as well, but not so much with regards to your fertility. That fertility is from your mother's side, right? Are you with me? Does that make sense? Um, and so everything to do with fertility, children, everything to do with how you magnetize the kind of like the opposite sex the, the, is from your mother's side, right? Your sensuality template, mother side, beauty template, mother side. Um, so all that feminine, you are greatly influenced by the feminine field when it comes to your fertility as a woman. And the same is true also for the man as well. Even your fertility is influenced by your mother's side as well. Then your ability to have children, how many is from that side, right? Um, so when you have womb issues, what you wanna do is look at what has been happening to my mother, grandmother, and great grandmother. And then you look at your aunts, your cousins, female cousins, see the patterns there. What kind of afflictions do they have? What is that relationship to that body? What is that relationship to that sexuality, to that sensuality? Because you are likely to be like them, right? And to be in a vow of loyalty. Um, relationship between mother, daughter, um, also greatly influenced by what you, by the maternal, right? So you'd see that, oh, the daughters and the mothers here, they're either always fighting or the first daughter always ends up being the one who takes care of everyone or the one who ends up like just not being part of the family they leave and, 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 and. So you wanna look into that. So if you are a mother of, of daughters, you are definitely influencing those children, particularly in how they will relate with the feminine. And they are also receiving the imprint of your relationship with your own mother relationship of your mother and her mother you see yes are you with me and then um when it comes to marriage that's your father's line right your father's lineage think of how we celebrate marriages in africa how it is the father like the the children, they take the father's name, you know, and how that the males are quite active during the proceedings of marriages, right? This is not just something we're doing for the sake. It, its origins is from spirit. Its origins are, is from the hierarchies of spirit. It's understanding that the bloodline of your father does influence the marriage template you will marry into. And so even the man you are attracted to, you, you, will, you would want to look at <laughs> the man your mother was attracted to who happens to be your father uh, because that's how you're born, right? But maybe if they're not together, the other ones who came after that as well, they do influence you. Patterns of marriage, no marriage, divorce, often from father line. Those patterns are influenced by the father line. So if you are wondering, like the issues you have, whether in being married, not being married or divorced, what, where do you need to focus in healing? You focus in your father's line, mostly. Doesn't mean the mother doesn't also influence you, but it's mostly the father line. And this is for both men and women. 
Are you with me? Oh, you guys are writing this, but I'm not seeing them. Okay. Thank you, loves. Let me get my charger going. Okay, so your father's line is definitely responsible for that marriage or it influences greatly the conditions of your marriages, whether you get married or not, and so on. Um, so in, in general, most of us, we tend to go into the vow of loyalty. So few of us rebel. And often it's the genetic path cutters who will rebel, who will be like, mm, I don't like this pattern. I will not do this pattern. Even way before you may begin your, your healing, you, there's always, you're always attuned to the fact that you are the pattern breaker. You are here to come and break the pattern that does not serve you, that does not serve the continuity of your ancestral gifts, your ancestral leadership, ancestral codes and blueprints that does not serve the ancestral legacy that you and your entire bloodline are actually collectively here to build, to bring into manifestation in the planet Earth, right? So for us to build legacy, legacy has, is not just about the money, right? Building generational wealth, that's what people think. But for example, a family is a, a, one of the greatest legacy to give your children the experience of having mother and father there and having happy children and happy marriages. In fact, for the black community, we are yet to register that the greatest legacy we could ever give to this race is the black family together, men and women together, building family, happy developing healing together to make our children. That is the greatest legacy we're here to build. It is the greatest template, it's the most original template that was given to the children of Earth, of Gaia, right? But when we look at what's happening in our families, that is not the legacy we're seeing. There's a lot of disconnection. Why? Why is there disconnection? For example, with the Black race, when you look at the trauma that has happened to Black people in the last 500 years, you can see how that how one of our most greatest legacy has degenerated and collapsed, which is family, right? Um, and that is where we are at right now. This is the most densest or darkest part of, of our civilization or, or, or the experiences of this cycle, this ascension cycle, right? And yeah, we are here to come and break those patterns. And what needs to happen is for us to awaken to these patterns because we take them for granted. We just think it's life. It's not a big deal, but it really does have to register that it is a big deal. We are meant to build um, these logos of love and family and community really actively. And we are here to be the ones who are changing that if they may have been a, a, a a degeneration in your family where maybe the degeneration is that people do marry but they divorce or people do marry but they are in horrible relationship marriages 
or people don't marry at all, right? Those are degeneration. They are not a reflection of what source God has created you to come and experience. That is not the divine logo, right? And we're not thriving for marriage for the sake of thriving to get married. We are really thriving because we come to a deeper understanding that this is how we were created. This is the highest level of expression we can be in. And it's the highest level of evolution currently for us. That to return to the higher world, we are going to have to return collectively with, within the unions and the, the units, the family units that we belong to. But we are all going together, Ubuntu, that's where that logo comes from. The idea that uh, you come into a family and you will become, you will bear both the pain of that family, also the gift of that family. And it is your duty. And I must say, I probably only, I'm one of the few people who think this way, so don't take me seriously because I'm pretty intense. <laughs> but it is your duty to come and transmute the ancestral pain into the gifts, into the legacy, into the magic. Yes. You could also just really relax <laughs> and try another lifetime. Yes, okay. So, okay, Lorraine, you're asking about financial patterns. So your father's bloodline is also responsible for financial patterns because the masculine is the builder, right? They, they are here for provision, protection, leadership, and devotion. That's the masculine. And so because one of the most fundamental gifts that the masculine has is provision to provide how we learn to relate to provision and provision currently in the earth is dependent on this thing we call money right so your relationship with money financial patterns are greatly influenced by your father's financial patterns the ones he had and also greatly influenced by what was happening what is happening in your father's bloodline right? You will inherit those. Although, of course, you may get imprinted also by your mother's side, but the most, the, the father line influences you the most with your money. So if you're having the money thing, you want to look into your father's bloodline. What is happening with the people there? How do they make their money? What sustains them? Right? Um, and what vows do they have with money, right? So, and this is so important, like what I'm going to, one of the reasons why I want to share this information with people is we can get so caught up in thinking that a certain thing is just something that started with us and it's on us, which is not true. Most of the time, things you are, they are your incarnational course, you are carrying them and you just continue them without this deeper awareness that you're continuing them and until you understand you're continuing them you can then what stop continuing them so if the financial patterns from your father's side is like it's just luck there's there's no resources here we don't build wealth here then you might find yourself just being comfortable with that and it is now your duty 
and honor to come and change that, right? Uh, so financial patterns, are they your calling? Yes, they are some, it, listen, all ancestral patterns are your calling. The most predominant pattern you see from your mother and your father's side, the one that creates more pain for you is probably your greatest calling. It is what you are here to change and transmute the most. If it's money, then definitely that's where you're supposed to be focused. If it's relationships, that's where you're supposed to If it's motherhood, if it's career, that's where you're supposed to be focusing. If it's mental health, that's, that's, your, that's your course. Doesn't mean it's easy. I think the, the, the incarnational course comes from human design. And I like this word because it's like the cross that Yeshua had to bear, to carry for the, um, the, the ascension of humankind from that story. At least that's what you can pick and learn from it, right? So even you, the, the elevation of your bloodline is you carry it. You are carrying it. You have no idea how you're suffering. Through your suffering, you have the potential to come and transmute your entire lineage, right? As in like, if you come from a family where people never saved money, never made money, then you decide, I am going to learn money. I'm going to master money and I'm going to be good at money and at wealth creation. And you become that person. You manifest that. Your vow of rebellion pulled you to that. You open up a new timeline for your entire lineage when now creating wealth is possible. The next generation, the next seven generations are going to be influenced by that action. Your life will become a testament for that generation, even if they never really know your name, but you would have shifted your entire lineage in that regard, you know? So, um, yes, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the answer, Lauren. <sighs> okay. So we are saying the vow of rebellion of financial freedom. If currently your luck still does not change, can you change the direction? See, I don't exactly believe in luck. I do know that there are certain people who are gifted, certain bloodline who are gifted with certain things. But luck sounds like it's some kind of like God decided to give this person luck and this person, you don't get the luck. It's, it, it insinuates some kind of specialness, you know, and some kind of, uh, I've been trying and I've been trying and I didn't get the thing, so I have run out of my luck, you know? And yeah, there is something very, very manipulative about the idea of luck, as if like, like not only manipulative, but it, 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 it feels, that God feels not true to me, like, a God who gets to give others, say, okay, you've worked hard, I'm gonna change your life now. No, that is not the fundamental way in which we, we create reality. I'm sorry, that's not what you asked, but I kind of like focus on certain words like that, mostly because what we do believe does shape what we do experience, right? So let me read your question again. <laughs> uh, 
what if currently your luck still does not change can you change the direction so i had a great conversation with my client yesterday and i liked what i shared with him so ancestral patterns they exist and are continued and influenced by the unconscious realm. So there is a version of yourself, the conscious one listening to me right now, who can come to me and say, Joy, I want to be a millionaire. I grew up in my family without money. I really want to be a millionaire. And this is your conscious desire. And then the same you, when money comes in, you send it out, you give it to people, you borrow people. Every month, you never have money until month end comes. What is making the difference or the discrepancy between your desire to have money to actually break the pattern of luck and the actual behavior, the way you behave, the actual pattern of your finances? The difference between that is like, there is your conscious intentions and desires. And then there is the unconscious realm, which is actually the one that is controlling your experience, your reality. So in, in, in science or even in psychology, they say we, our, we use 10% of the conscious mind and 90% is existing in the subconscious mind. So meaning even really, 10% of, sorry, that which you desire and your reality, how you create your reality, only 10% of it is conscious to you. The actual thing that does create your reality, if you reference my live stream um, episode on the creation of personal reality, this will make sense. That is in the unconscious to that which you are not aware of. And what is that which we are not aware of? The, it's where these ancestral patterns are existing. It's where these vows are existing. So even though you consciously want to be a millionaire, you have a vow of loyalty, which is in your unconscious, which is the vow of loyalty is that your great great grandfather once said, um, because we are, we are people of God, we are not meant to come and make money here. Making money is not holy. So us as a people, we are okay with being poor because we will experience abundance when we return back home to the higher world. Obviously, grandfather did not say it like that, but that's something like that, similar to that. And that vow was so big, it's been traveling through the bloodline and you unaware to your mind, you keep believing in this thing that grandfather said a long time ago unconsciously you have a vow of loyalty to what he said that is why even when you keep getting promoted even when your money keeps doubling it still feels like you don't have money because what what is driving you is that vow and every time more money comes you find more ways to release it because you have a vow that we are not meant to have money we're meant to suffer suffering is a reflection of of how good I am and how I will enter the gates of heaven. So I would rather be poor. If I win the lotto, I would rather collapse that money very quickly. And within three months, I don't have the money anymore because 
not have money, not having money is actually safe to you. And that safety essence, your sense of safety exists in the realm of the unconscious. You may actually think you feel safer having more money, but in reality, when that money comes, you start having anxiety, you start getting worried and, 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 and. You have an upper limit. There's a certain amount of money you are comfortable with. A million out of nowhere, what am I gonna do with that? Oh my God, I'm gonna get bewitched. Oh my, and then you find ways to release that money. So the, the, it's not about luck. It's actually really about mathematics. It's about, uh, <laughs> it's about patterns, it's a pattern. So can you change the direction? Yes, you can change the direction. How do you change the direction of your ancestral patterns, financial patterns, love patterns, uh, career patterns? How do you change them? You have to come to a deeper understanding that these patterns, their origins are not in the mind you use most of the time. They are deeper in the unconscious realm. So you have to go to your unconscious realm to find out what is there, what is existing, what are these stories, these beliefs, these emotions that are existing, that you picked up in the first 21 years of your life and that you picked up from your ancestry that you inherited. And then from there on, that's when you can transmute them. And how do we transmute them? We transmute them in the unconscious as well. We have to change them in that realm and then that will ripple out into the physical, right? This is where the idea of affirmation comes from. Although the idea of affirmation is incomplete and yeah, no. If you try to just go affirm and say, I am wealthy, I am wealthy, I'm wealthy and nothing happens. That's because you can't trick the unconscious realm. You can't bypass it. You can give it information it already has other information on. You literally have to go to the, your unconscious realm and say, hey, listen, I know for a long time we've believed that it's not possible for us to actually be abandoned. But from this moment forward, we are actually starting to believe that we can be abandoned. Can we update this information? And your unconscious realm will be like, yeah, sure. But most of us, we don't know how to connect and relate with our unconscious realm like that. But it's a very real realm. It's so powerful. It makes up your personal reality, right? Mm. Mm. Yes, Lorraine. Yes, right? In fact, the, the, uh, when it comes to money, <laughs> that one is so big for the entire human race, but also really truly for the black race as well. Yeah. So in the unconscious realm, it's where your inner child exists. The guardian of your, in, your, your unconscious realm is firstly your inner child. Which child? The one who was there at 0, 7, 14, 21 your inner child and your inner team, but primarily the inner child, right? What I find about the inner teen is that there's something very warrior-like about our inner teen. They really fight to make us safe. You know, that part of you that sometimes like fight 
cuts back, that's often our inner, our inner teen. And the inner teen doesn't come as often as our inner child. The inner child is, yeah, the guardian of the unconscious realm because the unconscious realm is greatly influenced by age seven to 14, which is what the emotional body, when we were building our emotional body. So what we want to do is we need to go back to those ages. What, what was happening in your life from age seven to 14, zero to seven, seven to 14. And then for example, with money, for example, you wanna look at what was the experiences in my home during this time with money? What was there lack of it? How did people respond here when there wasn't lack of it? Did I always see my mother stressing? And, and, and how did she deal with that lack? And look at how that influenced you. Did you make a vow of loyalty to be just like mom? And women, particularly daughters, tend to go into vow of loyalty. It's, I think it's a sisterhood thing here that we have, feeling like you don't want to betray your mother by being good at money. So you're also gonna not be good at money, just like her so that then you are both not good and then she doesn't feel alone in her struggle and in her pain. Yeah, so what you wanna do is look into that. And if you have made a vow, so some of the vows, we make them actually vocally, like not out loud. You don't have to say, oh, I vow in this moment to be poor. <laughs> but it's more of the way I've discovered vows, it's, it's like something happens to you, you know, and you could either say it in your mind that um, I will never ever visit my friend after something bad happened after you visited them. And from that moment on, after that, you find that you don't like to visit your friends based on one incident that happened with that one friend and that mother or something, right? And it's something that you did not realize. It's so powerful that it gets recorded in your akasha that from that moment forward you start functioning like that's a truth that is how you're supposed to be that is how powerful vows are some of them we don't remember making them in fact most of them we don't remember making them that's why we have to go retrieve specific moments and emotions we were feeling and what did we vow then and then we need to change back those vows create one release them heal them and um, um, make new ones in that moment, right? And moving forward, this is one of the things my teacher taught me, <laughs> just be super aware of vows you're making. Don't make them. You know, we make vows all the time. Like you hear a story of a friend, you're like, oh, it could never, I will never ever be this person. That's a vow, that's a vow you're making. <laughs> So yeah, that's what you need to do. Um, I mean, I have kind of like created a, a process of doing that, uh, that I've, I am, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I have mastered the process of how to change our, how to access the unconscious realm and change these vows. It's part of how I also support people. Uh, someone once asked, do I ever do like, can you book a once-off session for like a, a mother wound? And, and you can do that. Just, just have to tell me that's what you like to work on. Yes. 
So, uh, but at home, if you don't have joy, what do you do? You, you, the unconscious realm is accessed through delta waves, right? So there is, I could be, I might be mixing up this. Generally right now, you are possibly in the alpha wave. Your consciousness is it's conscious or existing in a certain frequency. And to go to the unconscious realm, you have to drop it lower and you have to go deeper, right? And that's where the role of meditation comes in because we're shifting from alpha to delta or it could be from delta to alpha. I have, I might be mixing them. Don't hold me accountable to this, but essentially it's moving from one wave to another. And when you are in that wave, you are able to access the unconscious realm. And in that unconscious realm, that's when you can heal something. So, uh, and access memory, access the morphogenetic fields. And it is also still in this same process where we can access the origin of a pattern. So typically for me, what I do in my process is if you have like a, a vow uh, around let's say financial patterns as we're saying, I am still able to take you to which ancestor started this pattern. We can go that far. We can actually connect with that consciousness. We can connect with an ancestor. They can show us what was happening, what made them create that vow. And then we ask this ancestor, ancestor, please look at how this vow has been influencing the entire generation. And then our, we ask ancestor, can you please release this vow? And ancestor can release the vow. And when they liberate themselves, they are liberated the entire lineage, right? Um, so that will be ancestral miasma timeline work. It still works the same in that we go into the alpha, sort of the delta wave, this deep state of relaxation. Of course, this is also based on how much you have built your quanta, your energy, your life force to be able to travel through time to connect with your ancestors. So it may not be easy the first time, right? I mean, it also took me a couple of years to master this process of connecting, but it's what you are capable of. Every single one of you can do this. You can travel through time through your body because your body is portals. It's made up of stargates. You have no idea how powerful this this is what we call uh, the temple of God. You literally are the temple of God. And through this temple, you can go anywhere, right? So that is how we go into the unconscious realm. The transmutation has to happen in the unconscious realm. And it's so, so, so sad that religion has made us afraid of meditation, for example, because it is the fastest way to build up your contact to be able to do what, I, what I'm saying right now going into great stillness is actually shifting from one wave to another. And the deeper you can go, the deeper you can travel. Or the deeper you can go, the higher you can travel. The more you can connect with our ancestral helping spirits, the more you can connect with ancestral, sorry, the angelic beings and guardian families and higher and higher beings with with obviously who are in alignment with sacred law and who are within the ascendant timeline.
right? And that's a, a, another conversation for another day. But um, what I can tell you truly, transmutation of all patterns happens through divine alchemy. It is through the touch of the Holy Mother, the hand of the Holy Mother, literally ordaining and dispensing divinity, divine frequencies, and say, we will lift this curse for these people. I mean, they don't say that, but I imagine it in that way, <laughs> right? And so we have to learn to connect with divinity. And how do you connect with divinity? You first have to learn to connect with your divinity. You can't skip accessing your own divinity and jump into to ancestral divinity, to angelic divinities. And I know for most people, this is what we were taught. And that's why it feels like there's no change because it is difficult to descend true divinity, true ancestors and not so true ancestors, helpful ancestors and not so helpful ancestors, because we have not learned yet to do it through our own being. This is why transmutation has to happen through you. And it has been said by many sages, masters, the kingdom of God is within you. The gateway to God is within you. The gateways to the ancestors is not at the mountain, the river, or in that woman's house, it's you, you are the gateway. And so you transmute this energy by learning to go within. And then once you go within, you learn to go deeper. Right? And going deeper for me feels like a dropping deeper and deeper into the body. And here's the thing about our ancestral pain. Our ancestral pain can be so big that being in the body is so painful. And that's something we have to learn first to be. You have to learn to be in your body. And once you're in your body, then you can begin to access different realms organically with nothing, no assistant from any tool, from any music, from anyone. This can be done because I did it that way. And that is the organic way, the, the most natural way. We were not dropped into this planet to then have to figure out technologies and medicines that can help us do what I'm saying. Those medicines, they can accelerate and support. Tools can accelerate and support. Another person can accelerate and support you. But if you, it has not yet dropped in that you are your own healer, it's going to be very difficult. You will be trapped in always going to this healer and this healer and this healer, and there's never true transformation. All healers must return you back to yourself. Because divine dispensation is done in your body, through your being. All right? Does that make sense? Are we live streaming on Facebook? Oh, I forgot. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So yes, that's what happens. I automatically step out of meditation because it's still a scary place for me. Yes. So meditation or breath work 
it is scary because why the body is a temple and why the body is one of the most brilliant technologies you have, far more advanced than a computer or any app, any technology that could ever be created, your body is that powerful because your body is holding all of time. So all the emotions you've ever felt, experiences you've ever went through, they are in your body, they are recorded in your DNA that, that is alive in your body, they are recorded in your blood. That is why Africans figured out a long time ago that transmutation is in the blood. That's why bloodlines are important to us. That's why ancestry is important to us, not for any other reason that you were taught, but that truly this is the way through to, to the higher worlds. It's through the body. And what is the body? It is that which you inherited. It's the vessel that is a, 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 an accumulation of your mother and your father's strength and, 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 and right? So, so the traumas we went through in our childhood, they are here, they, are, they didn't go anywhere. They're stored in the body. So when you close your eyes and you bring your awareness to the body, look at how I drop. I, I drop quickly the moment I do that. <laughs> Let me not do that. Um, all that pain becomes alive and you can feel it and it becomes scary. And this sometimes because we, we don't know yet what's happening, it may be, look like you're seeing different images or it's literally physically painful to just be present in the body. So that's where you start to transmute. You have to learn to be in your body. And even it doesn't even have to be like in meditation. You could just learn to lie down for 10 minutes, put on the alarm for 10 minutes and just sit still. The First time you're gonna have a monkey mind, you're gonna be all over, you're gonna feel so much discomfort and 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 it takes time. It takes time, right? Um, but the more you do it, the more you get better. I have been on uh, I've been doing meditation for meditation for 12 years now, and I've been doing it half of that six years every day, the last six years, every single day. Before that, I would do once a month and then I'd be like, oh, I can't, I'm done. <laughs> it took six years to get too consistent, right? So give yourself some slack if it's, it's difficult. It takes time. It's, every time you go into the body, you, you interact with all those ancestral pains and your own pain. So if you understand what it is, great. If, if also you can't sit still, there is also using the breath and then moving around in the house, just breathing, but becoming aware of the physical body. But with movement, it's less painful and less scary. Right? So just move around your, your room and just keep focusing on the breath and keep touching your body, keep feeling it and tell it, I'm alive, we're alive, we're here in the present moment, we're okay. Right? And for 10 minutes, just practice with something that that is less scary for you. And as time goes on, you will get better at it, right? Yes. There was a question here. Thank you, Pindi. So Kayla, you are asking, because someone did ask me to always read these questions and I forget. 
Okay, here's the question. How, how do you transmute trauma from the emotional body? Is it different from healing the spiritual body? And is the emotional energetic bodies the same thing? Or the emotional and energetic bodies the same thing? Um, we actually have many different bodies and these bodies collectively can be called our energetic bodies or our subtle bodies but they are at least like i mean some people say we have like eight seven subtle bodies there are that many seven yes we have seven subtle bodies so the emotional body is one of the energetic bodies is one of the subtle bodies that we have right and the subtle bodies, I will teach on them actually. That should probably be next week's class. We'll talk more about these different subtle bodies and what's stored there. But the emotional body is where all of our emotional terrains and experiences are stored, right? It's an actual etheric energy that you can feel. Certain people can feel this and sense it and, and, and. Um, the spiritual body, it's the, when people are referring to the spiritual body, it's beyond the emotional body. Your spiritual body is uh, where your spirit resides. And our spirit body is not, it's not in the emotional body. Like it's beyond, it's further, a little further. The emotional body is closer to the physical body, right? Yes. So transmuting is healing the spiritual body similar to healing the emotional body? Um, no, it's, it's that different things. And typically it's not really that people are healing the spiritual body unless that spirit, the actual spirit has went through trauma itself, then we heal the spiritual body. But most of the time for on average, most people have to heal the emotional body and the spiritual body will, will transform and match up the the new emotional body right um the spiritual body is also called the monadic body so it's it's the realm of the highest aspect of you that's where it's residing the highest aspect of you so the highest aspect of you does not have to be healed it's okay it's 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 pure and it's innocent it, it, it's it's still holding its divinity your spirit self and your spirit body it's it's that part of you that is pure, that is here, that is divine, that can never really truly ever be uh, um, killed by anything in this planet, right? But the emotional body can be wrecked by this planet, devastated by this planet. And in fact, most of our emotional bodies are in such dire conditions. So the transmutation of trauma in the emotional body it's, it's, it's a process of really coming into awareness of your emotional experiences and getting to understand you are an emotional being. You don't get to just shut down. You don't get to just move on from a situation. When you go through a trigger, that matters. That trigger is recorded by the emotional body. When you go through trauma, that trauma is not just released, it's stored. It's stored in the emotional body. So transmitting the trauma begins with that deeper awareness that every single thing that has ever happened to you, it's alive in the emotional body. And constantly, some of these things, they come up. 
So sometimes when you are triggered, you, it's the emotional body that's triggered. It's a pain from seven years ago that just got triggered. So it's not actually the fight you are in, you are fighting with your, your partner because they didn't come on time and you just know you hate it when people are late. Why? Because when you were seven years old, your dad promised to come pick you up and he just arrived so late. And when he arrived, the, the thing you wanted to go to with him was no longer, it was closed and you didn't go and it devastated your inner child. And so ever since then, you hate it when people are late. It makes you feel like they will never show up right? So you're fighting with your boyfriend. You think it's about his late coming today, but it's really about your father and how he didn't show up food for you. So your, your boyfriend just opened up that wound. That's how much we have to become aware of our emotional body, of how it influences the current moments today. The, and these patterns we have, every, every person you call in magnetizing to your life, they are there to come and show you the contents of your emotional body to reflect back to your trauma so you heal it. Does that make sense? Yes. So, yes. So the transmutation of emotional body is, it's probably our most longest job to do in the beginning. But once you do it, it, everything else becomes faster and easier, truly. So that's why the inner child work is so important that those seven, 14 years are important for you to work on, right? Um, and like I said, all transmutation is through the divine. If, if you are to pick something from what I'm saying, it's through the divine. We get stuck in thinking we need to use our mind to transmute our pain. The mind can't help you because the mind participated in creating the story you even have about that trauma. The mind is the one that made the vows. So how can it really truly help you to change the energies, the frequencies now? The mind is useful during healing. Definitely, it is what will you what it will say the new vows and and and. But all healing must have true healing must have the presence of divinity in the room. This is why we call in divinity. This is why we invoke divine the divine. This is why we call in our inner spirit, and we call in the divine spirit of the Holy Mother of the Holy Father. This is. What is missing, actually for me when I was in psychology, that is what was missing because I thought I could heal people with just talking to them. And it turns out that does not really work. The divine, when we introduce the divine to healing, now that's when we will see miraculous healing happening because we surrender that we do not understand the true intricacies of the patterns we are holding we we don't know how far they go we understand that we are continuing a job that those who came before us did and only the divine is aware of those patterns if you can move from today knowing that a lot of the things that you think are just you are you are continuing task ancestral task 
of your uncle, of your aunt, of your mother, of your grandmother, you are continuing them through your life. And that's why we have to keep bringing in that luminous support, but also, sorry, working with our own divinity, like our own inner spirit, not God, not the bigger God, not our bigger ancestors, but you, you are also the divine spark, right? So as the divine spark, you need to also involve and engage that divinity because with all that you have ever been through, you see the thing that makes you wake up every single day? No scientist could ever tell you what it is. There's no machine that could measure what that thing is. That is your divinity. And that is what you wanna engage. The thing that makes you wake up even after the most horrible thing that has ever happened to you. That impulse, that spark, that's what you want to work with. And so if you are like, like you're saying, Palisa, I struggle with how to heal childhood trauma. I literally don't know what to do when I sit there on divinity. Do I go back to the event or do I speak to the children in me? I always get stuck. Here's the thing. I mean, here's the problem with, um, <laughs> with currently Instagram and how Instagram can make us feel like all of us actually really know how to heal in our child wounds. I can tell you this, you actually need to be trained in healing. I had to be trained as a psychologist for four years to understand some of the things I teach. So one, I would like you to release the idea that you are supposed to know how to heal your childhood trauma in the same way that you do not stress yourself with not knowing how to do surgery on yourself. So the terrains we're talking about, they need specialists who learned how to heal them. So not everyone is aware and capable of truly healing their childhood trauma. There may be times where not most of the time we do need someone else to do that process for us. What you are able to do though, is you can invoke your, your divinity. You can sit and you will say the divinity of Joy Mohani, I am here and I'm in utter pain and I need you to come through and you need to come and help me figure out how to heal this. You can pray, you can pray for yourself every single day. Say, I am, there is so much anxiety in my body, please help me. Please help me heal this and that. That you can do. You can soothe your inner child. You can talk to the body. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you and I thank you. These are tools you can work with, right? You can, um, to tell the truth, for me, true transformation happened even as I have been trained in inner childhood healing. And I've been doing this for 12 years. The times I've actually seen transformation was when I worked with someone because I can see my own pain properly. I have blind spots, even as a specialist. So I had to get a healer to help me because all this, sometimes I'm in session, I'm like, oh man, I need someone to come and do this for me. Because something I can do for my client, it doesn't necessarily mean I know how to do for myself, right? Um, and uh, yeah, the kind of healing that I'm talking about, it's not necessarily some things I learned in, in, in my psychology training. No, what I'm talking about is something I learned with alternative teachers in mentorship, 
And some of it, it was literally spirit teaching me how to retrieve inner children, spirit teaching me how to do soul retrieval. I've never read a book. It just, I, I was in the middle of a session and spirit said, here, take this, do this for this client, you know? So here you may not need to work with traditional therapy because traditional therapy does not necessarily engage with the emotional body. It engages with the mental body. It makes you talk and talk and talk and talk about the thing but you never really move into feeling the thing. They don't teach you how to sit and feel the thing, to be with the pain. How would you transmit the, you can't speak the pain out. You have to feel it and then it can move. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just really would like us to, to know that we can read all the things in the, the books, but that doesn't always mean, when it comes to actual transmutation, that honestly, if I'm telling the truth, it's similar to surgery. You have a trauma is as big as someone who had a car accident hitting their body and their bones breaking. That is how powerful trauma is. It's the same thing, except it happened to your subtle bodies. Something came and hit your subtle bodies and they are broken and there's internal bleeding. So how are you meant to do surgery on yourself? You have to go to the doctor who went to 12 years of training to come in, release the, the bones, heal the bones and, 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 and also be okay with the, the harder, like if, if it's a truck that hits someone, the longer that process of healing is going to be. So if you had trauma, continuous trauma for years, the longer it may take you, you can't do one session with joy and expect you to be fully healed, right? And what's really said, I understand what I'm talking about in an ideal world, everyone should literally be doing what I'm talking about. You know, uh, I really do wish that we can get to the point where our education system could train more people to heal in this way that I'm speaking about, you know, um, but that's not the case. And I also understand the idea of um, investing in our own healing. It's so new. We just think people really genuinely think that they can figure out that emotional trauma and heal them by themselves just because it's not the pain was not tangible. We didn't see the trauma happening and hitting the subtle bodies. So we just think it's not a big deal. I can figure it out. I can go on YouTube, listen to joy, and then I know how to heal. Every day I kept learning new ways of healing the inner child. Every day, I swear to you. 12 years later. So uh, I just don't want us to take this so simply. Like it's such a simple thing. Right, but there is a lot you can still do for now. What you can do for someone who is yet to like have the enough funds to come in, work with a specialist, what I can tell you, you can do that will change your life. In the morning, 10 minutes, sit and take a deep breath in and out. Have one hand, right hand in the higher heart, another hand in the womb area. 
and with and repeat these words to yourself using your name joy mohani it is safe to feel it is safe to feel it is safe to be here you are safe and keep breathing it is safe to feel it is safe to be here you are alive and keep breathing and keep breathing and keep breathing and keep doing this for 10 minutes just breathe and allow the thoughts to come whatever may come it is safe for that thought to come through whatever emotion that rises whatever tension in the body just breathe through it all and if the tears come let them come if a headache comes let it be just breathe and know that by the end of this 10 minutes, you will be okay. You will be alive. You would have survived it all. And just breathe. And sometimes if it falls aligned, you may take this time, especially towards the end to pray to source God and to release and let go of the pain that may have got, gotten activated by this breath. This is where you may say divine source, Holy Mother, Holy Father God, please, please help me. Please support me with releasing this pain in my body, in my womb, in my hands. Please take away this anger this sadness, this anxiety, this depression. I surrender it all to you, source God. I ask you to send your divine dispensation into my living body and help me to process, to move through this pain, to move through this trauma. I give it all back to you, source God. Please take it all back to you. And I thank you, I pay gratitude for your guidance and your support. And I request that you keep sending support through the living children that are in my life and otherwise lead me to where I need to go so I may transmit this pain. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Ashe Marcos. And you may open 
Open your eyes. And repeat this process every morning or in the evening. Maybe in the morning you don't have time. You may do it in the evening. You start with 10 minutes. I want you to put the alarm, do 10 minutes every day. Then as time goes on, you do 15 minutes. Because the thing is sometimes meditation is difficult because all of the thoughts. So instead of trying to meditate, just breathe. Focus on the breathing. The breathing will drop you into the body and it will be less scary because you can concentrate on your breathing instead of just the thoughts. But if thoughts come up, it's also okay. And you're not trying to stop being you. If you are a person who thinks, so think, you know. So that's where you can begin uh, with your inner child work. Tell uh, when you're breathing, release all that pain back to source God. Um, and that's powerful practice. It will bring so much to you. And another time to particularly do this is when you are actually triggered. Right, so if you had a really bad day, something big happened. This is the time to go and do the, this breathing exercise. This breathing exercise can be done also walking around in the house. Just keep holding the two centers and the higher heart as well as the womb sacral point for the man as well. You also have a sacral womb, sorry, a sacred womb there, right? So you wanna also do the same. Um, and yeah, you can walk around, right? And the concentration is on the breathing. And particularly when you're triggered, what you want to do is don't escape the emotions. If there's a lot of anger or sadness or grief, just allow yourself to feel that and let that move through you. You may cry, you may, tension may come into the body. So here's the thing, most of us, we quit when the pain comes and we think it's not supposed to be there. It's okay for it to be there. In fact, the first couple of times it may be so intense, you think, oh my God, why did Joyce tell me to do this exercise? It's horrible. Trust me, I know, I hated it. I used to have headaches all the time when I was doing that. And, but now this is one of my most powerful practice that I just love so much with processing emotions. Yeah. Okay, I hope that I have answered you all. Let me know your thoughts and experiences as well today. Yay. So thank you everyone. Yes, Akona, you're saying this is the truth. It takes time to heal. It took you saying it more than five times for me to get it, that we have our lifetime as well as other lifetime to continue this healing work. Yes. So there is so much time. There is so much time. So thank you all for joining me today. Um, we are here every Thursday. Um, next week, Thursday, we won't be here because we will be doing Ancient Future Masterclass Series. I hope to see you there. This is a great opportunity for 
you to come and do healing because I'm going to be taking you through healing processes and journey. So if you do not have yet the funding to receive my healing medicine, this is the time to come and receive that, right? So you can do that. Um, and uh, if you are wanting to begin just a once-off session with me, you can go to my website under Joy Mohammi where it says start here and read there. Otherwise, what I am going to be doing for everyone where you have a greater opportunity to go deeper into inner child healing, particularly and some ancestral healing, it's in April when we're going to do healing with the divine grandmothers, which is a five day course. And it is the most affordable course I, I will create. I'm truly creating it for everyone so that you have the ability to save for it and um, attend it. And our, my prime directive will be for those of us who are really wanting to begin healing in ways that are tangible and with my support as, um, as a specialist in inner child healing and ancestral healing. So you can look forward to that as well if you don't have yet the, the funds to do one-on-one -on -one work with me. This five-day course, it's gonna be, even to this year, I've done healing with Divine Grandmother. It's still one of those courses that my students keep going back to and they like, Joe, you have no idea the healing I've received from this. So I highly recommend that you check that out in April and join me for the healing. Yes, okay. So thank you everyone. Have a great day. I will see you next week again no not next week that other week for our next transmission which will be on the subtle bodies good night <laughs>